Welcome to the Crazy Dre Podcast Show, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Thank you for joining me on a slow Thursday night in Grand Rapids, Michigan. This is your main man, a.k.a. Crazy Crackhead, a.k.a. Andre's Podcast. The Crazy Dre Podcast Show. Thank you for joining me. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to talk about a couple of things. I'm going to talk about the U.S. Open, the the L.A. Country Club. I'm going to talk about uh, the Nuggets a little bit. But I'm going to talk about more of the of the philosophy of of the mental state of mind of of the NBA players and what I see it where it's going towards the, the direction of it. So I'm going to start about the L.A. Country Club. As most of you know, that there is like six, seven guys. There's at least five guys who are three under. There's like six guys or five guys who are one under. But let's talk about what Ricky Fowler and Alexander Shuffley did. They both shot A under. A 62, a new uh, course record. But let's talk about the golf course. You have this golf course that's massive. It's huge, right? So, but it's very forgiving, supposedly. But if you notice this, that Ricky Fowler, Shuffley, Johnson, McRoy, DeShambeau, Scotty Scheffler, what do you see? All these guys are long-distance shooters. So what that means is that they hit the ball very, very far. Now, I can't say that about Ricky Fowler, though, because Ricky Fowler, I don't see him hitting the ball longer than 310 or 320. He just never seemed to be that guy that could do that. And then the more surprising thing about it is this. Ricky Fowler, who in major tournaments, he does very bad in for this one, he's doing very well. Now, I think I think if he can keep up the pace, and I don't know if he can because if, if Dustin Johnson and Scotty Shuffler can, uh, can put the pressure on Ricky, I think Ricky might fall apart. Probably, I mean, I don't see him shooting A under tomorrow. Regardless of the weather, it was very dry and very uh, not windy in L.A. But I feel, though, is that if it becomes windy and the weather changes a little bit, I think Ricky Fowler will probably fall apart. But there's one thing about Ricky that's been doing very well right now is his it's his putting. So when I came home, I watched the tournament. I watched reruns of it. And everything that he hit, it didn't matter. It was six feet away or 20 feet away. He recovered. He very much, very did. He recovered. He made major putts. He made a lot of birdies, obviously. But he is, uh, I guess he's going to be the the dark horse for this tournament because he hasn't been around. He hasn't been playing that well. So I, I'm also, I also took, well, this is what I did. I took, I took Victor Hovland 
and DraftKings. No, I'm sorry, and uh, FanDuel. And I took and I took Bryson DeChambeau, and I took Brooke Kopka at um, at FanDuel. Now, Kopka is he's one over, and he's you know I don't know if he's not feeling it or he just won a ma- one of the last majors, the championship, PGA championship. Uh, I think sometimes it's very difficult to focus or to p- to play well when the other uh co- the other golfers that that went before you are shooting that well. So so when you have to start late and everyone else is six, five, eight under, I wonder if that puts a lot of pressure on on golfers like Kopka to actually shoot well because he's in the back of your mind you have to think about catching up right away and you always put pressure on yourself but uh i do think that bryson DeChambeau at three under is a surprise even though i picked him but i picked him only because i feel like it's his time to win something huge again I didn't really pick him because of the, of the golf course. I did the same thing with Brooke Kopka. I just thought that when the PGA Championship, I felt like he had a chance to, to win. And he had. I just felt like he didn't win in, in a while, so I took DeChambeau for that reason for the U.S. Open. Uh, I didn't take Scotty Scheffler. I don't know why I didn't take him, but I felt like he. Might be a little bit um, overrated, I guess you could call it. I know he a lot of the PGA golfers and the golf uh, analysts will tell you that he's shooting the ball real well. But I just feel like if everyone's f- focusing on him to to win it, I just don't see him doing it. And then Victor Hovland, who did shoot a three under for a while, uh, he hit a couple of bogeys, a couple, couple of bad shots. But this is one of the biggest struggles for Victor Hovland is that is that he plays well and then he hits a couple of real bad shots. He almost kind of reminds me of a Phil Mickelson, a very good golfer, very consistent. But what kept uh, Phil Mickelson from winning majors in his early career was that he would take a lot of bad shots. Or he would take shots that were not necessary to shoot. He would take to me, he would try to cut corners. So, so I think I think Dustin Johnson, of all the guys who are in the top three or five, he's another guy that I didn't think about to win a tournament because I thought his time has passed him by. But because a couple of years ago, before he joined the Live Golf League last year, he wasn't shooting that well. He he wasn't in the he he wasn't in topic of conversations for a while. But I mean, this could be his uh his new uh gateway to a new and uh, a new beginning for him. Let's put it that way. So from that point on, I don't see a lot of eight unders tomorrow. I feel like the 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 fact that you play the golf course couple too many times, or couple rounds too many times, you're going to overthink. 
So all the top guys will start probably hit a couple of bogeys. I see maybe DeShambo or Hovland maybe moving up a little bit. Dustin uh, Johnson probably move up. Uh, Roy McIlroy will probably move up because the pressure is not on him. The pressure is on Ricky and Alexander. The pressure is on two guys. is Fowler and Scheffler. I mean, Scheffler, if I'm pronouncing his name right. But everyone else underneath those two guys who are leading it, I think it could go either way. Either way. So from that point, let's talk about the NBA Denver Nuggets. And the Denver Nuggets finally had the parade. Uh, Jovic went up there, announced that he wanted to have the parade, and he effing loves it. He cussed and swore, he, and he forgot all about the fans when he won the championship, and he treated the NBA playoffs finals like a 9-to-5 job, basically. But what does that really say? Does that really mean that NBA is dead? Is the NBA dying? Do they have to rely on the European players to keep the league running and showing? Do we not have any white American players that want to play basketball? Are white Americans not good at basketball? Are we trying to sell way too much to the black community? Or use this platform to get out of the of the of of your situation, and that's something that we have to really think about. Now, I'm not going to tell you that Jovic grew up in a rough neighborhood and in Europe or Serbia. I just think they have a different concept of living. I don't think people need to be rich and famous in Europe. I think that famous aspect of life is only in uh, in Americas. South America or North America. Unless you're a soccer player in Europe, that's the only aspect of being famous. I don't I don't keep in touch or pace with with European music, but I I think w- within an America we have this aspect of of um of acknowledging people who are athletes and performers to be this excellent most lovable, I don't really know, I, I'm not going to say lovable, but they use sports in America, and they use sports, they use sports for to engage in people's personalities. And what I mean by that is that, is that if you only focus on one aspect of your life in sports, and you don't make it to the NBA, the NFL, the Major League Baseball or MLB in America, you're considered to be a failure in life. Where, where, where in a in in Europe, I don't know. I think it's only in soccer, I guess. But Jovic, Jovic is a is a is a typical person who just didn't care. He just. He, I don't think he cared that he won the NBA Finals. I don't think he cared about the MVP. I think this is just something that he plays basketball and he's really good at it, and then he goes home. And then he doesn't wear his rings. He doesn't wear jewelry. He doesn't, 
He doesn't showboat. It's not. It's just not part of the mo. It's just not part of their of their DNA, I guess. So we're in June. So June nineteenth is a celebration in America. Who just this is going to be a new holiday of of when they pass the the bill that every African American who was a slave that was the day that they were officially that they were officially not a slave they were a citizen of the United States of America so saying that we still have this aspect of treating people like they're secondhand citizens and i know i get into a little bit of politics i know it, it kind of drew into this a little bit but we have to really look at this we really have to address this we have a a a a european player who doesn't care two cents about about the flashy of the NBA or the flash lifestyle of the NBA, and then we're still selling the NBA lifestyle to a bunch of kids, primarily black kids in America, as this great life. But in reality, you only have four years of of playing in the league if you get drafted, if you don't get hurt, if you're if you're just a, a bench warmer or a guy who comes off the bench on a good or bad team, you might make 10 or $15 million. And people say, well, that's a lot. But it's not really a lot because if you still teach people to not invest their money, to buy things that they don't need, to pretend to be cute and, and famous or whatever on social media, social media you, you got a problem so i think like i said before i think to me myself and i i don't even know why i said it like that but it's amusing i guess to me i think that the more educated someone becomes the less likely sports is important or the lifestyle of being famous is less important so let's think about this. You got someone like Larry Bird. You have someone like Phil Jackson. You got uh, uh, people like Bill Lambert. You know what? I just named three white American basketball people. Phil Jackson used to play in the league. He won the championship in the 70s with the Knicks, and he won like nine NBA championships as a coach. Then you have... Bill Lambert, one, I mean, Bill uh, Larry Bird, one of the best, the greatest basketball players of all time in the 80s for the Celtics. And then you have Bill Lambert, a NBA final champion uh, with the Detroit Pistons, the Bad Boys. He gets a lot of crap for his style, for his style of playing basketball in the 80s. But I named three white guys. And you know what? Three white guys probably probably do. They don't care to watch basketball. They don't have this regime about about what type of lifestyle, what type of flashy flashy lifestyle that they portray in the NBA, or they don't have a social media account that's based on their lifestyle as an ex NBA player. Okay, where where when you have 
NBA players who are African Americans, they care about the NBA in a way that it's kind of like their whole life meaning of the meaning of life for them is the NBA. It used to be the Major League Baseball when they play baseball, but they treat the NBA like it's a like it's the way of life. Okay, think about this: you got Kenny Smith, you got Charles Barkley, you got Char uh, Shaquille O'Neal, you got Jalen Rose, you get all these ex NBA players who analyze on ESPN or TNT. And these guys used to play in the NBA, and now they don't. But now they keep talking about the greatest basketball player in the world. Is it Kevin Durant? Is it LeBron James? Is it Michael Jordan? But no one really cares because it's not important. And I wish people understood that, not dogging the idea of the NBA. But I'm, But people need to realize that if you only give people an aspect of their life to be a professional athlete or a professional a professional artist just so that you can get out of your situation or your income base or you're being poor, if you think sports is the way to do it in 2023, you have everything backwards. You're focusing on the wrong on on the wrong things in life. You need to focus on more education, more jobs, uh like any average looking job. Plumbing, fishing, anything that you can actually think of. I shouldn't even say fishing, but plumbing, it could be IT job, it could be owning your own business, it could be being a teacher, a doctor, it could be a psychiatrist, it could be a, the president of the United States. Or it could be a governor or a politician or anything that you can think of that is or a, a real job. That's something that you need to focus on instead of portraying the NBA finals as the gateway to happiness. The NBA sports is very is very short and sweet. You have your off seasons, you have your spring trainings. You have your your season, you have your playoffs, and then you have your championships, the finals, uh, the World Series, the Stanley Cups, the Super Bowl. Those are important for a certain time and period. So that's how you should address it in the poor communities. It's a very small limit part of your life. You should never think of the NBA, the MLB, the NHL. What else am I missing? Any of those leagues, you should understand it is a partial it's a partial league. It's a partial time in your life. And only the 1% athletes actually make it to 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 the professional level. I'll use this for example. I think it's kind of stupid. Again, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, travel leagues. I think it's dumb that people put their kids in travel leagues. I don't care if it's for basketball or baseball. 
I have a nephew that plays in a travel league for baseball. And when it first started, the idea of of my nephew being in travel league it is it, it is so that he has good relationships with with coaches in high school so that he makes the ba- so that he makes a high school baseball team so when you let your nephews or your nieces only focus on one thing just to make it to the majors or the professional WNBA or whatever it's called whatever you want to uh to have in your mindset of what your kids or your nieces and nephews going to make it to the top is obnoxious. If you live by that rule, if you only focus on one thing of one aspect or one characteristics of that person, you're doing a horrible job as a parent. Now, I don't have kids, but I don't think I would ever have my kids in Travel League. I just, I just don't understand why in America we address this professional league stardom as a way of life. We do the same thing with hip-hop music. We have all these hip-hop artists who are wearing jewelry, who are who are f- flashing their lifestyle right in front of us. We have a lot of African-American kids who are hip-hop artists who are being shot and killed. But we don't actually talk about it. We just accept it. And that is, doesn't make any sense. Why would you want to make it to to the hip-hop uh, Hall of Fame or make it into the music industry in itself, in the hip-hop in music industry, knowing that you're probably going to get killed or you're probably going to get shot or hurt, and then your life is over? Is it there's just a different philosophy in where I'm coming from. I just I just when I was younger, I used to read a lot of things about the civil rights movement. I was uh and this is when I was like 5, 8 years old. This is not something that I was just in my teenage years and said shout out to Malcolm X and shout out to Rosa Parks and shout out to Dr. King. I didn't do that in my teens. You know how when teenagers start to grow up and try to identify of who they are, they sometimes grab onto something that they're not. But I was always into politics or into some form of of the civil rights movement when I was about eight years old. And it was just fascinating me. I don't know why it did. I think the Civil War even fascinated me. I think the... I didn't understand why African Americans were being treated uh horrible. I didn't understand why African Americans were were treated as, as second hand citizens. I mean, I did my own studies about the civil rights and the in the Civil War and Malcolm X and Dr. King and Rosa Parks. So I guess that aspect of my life has never left me. I I I don't I, I can't explain why I care so much about this topic. I can't explain it to anybody. And a lot of people will say, "Well, it's not your business of what African Americans think or it's not your business of how America runs the show and how they discriminate against people." 
or they have a way of of throwing underneath the carpet. But I've always I just never understood that. And and going back to Jovic, a lot of NBA players should think like Jovic. I don't care if you're white or black. I think you should all think like Jovic. I think you should treat it almost like a nine and five job. You should almost think of it as a way of I think I think you should just think of sports and the music industry as something fun to do for for a couple of years and then you move on and then you obviously you should graduate if you have an opportunity to go to college for collegiate sports for even if you're an, even if you're trying to be an NBA player or a a major league baseball player or any other thing like that you should really think about having a a really productive life outside of basketball outside of the entertainment industry and that's something that that I that even someone like Malcolm X would tell you and I can't believe I just got into this whole discussion about this I didn't try to do it but it just happened to work it that to work that way I know that other sports media uh, analysts talk about it, have talked about about Jovic and his philosophy and the way that he thinks, and and no one really addresses the idea of two different cultures, the way they th- the way that they actually think about the what is important. Your family, your friends. The people that you grew up with, uh, your neighborhood, your where it's more it should be more important. Creating new jobs should be more create should be more important. It just should be. I mean, if unfortunately we we sell the big dream, we sell the pipe dream, and then we make things difficult for everyone else to to. Pay to chase a real dream. So, thank you for listening to this podcast. I know I went a little bit everywhere. We talked about the U.S. Open. We talked about Ricky Fowler was a a shooting a great first round. Uh, Do I think that you'll be able to keep it up? I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, but I do know that the 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 L.A. Country Club is a huge golf course, and and the, and it's a legendary golf course that was created in in the nineteen twenties. So, so it's 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 kind of cool that they they're going old school. So, so thank you for listening to my podcast. Uh, if you liked it. Give me a thumbs up. If you didn't like it, give me another chance. I'm still working on the how I'm going to do this podcast on how I'm going to p- play out this philosophical sports guy podcast, podcaster that I am. So thank you for listening to Crazy Dre Podcast Show. Uh, you can listen to me on Apple. You can listen to me on Spotify. You can listen to me. Anywhere you can find the podcast. Uh, I'd like to thank Buzzsprout for 
distributing my podcast. And uh, I'll see you next time. I might do one again for Friday, Saturday, depending on, on the U.S. Open, on if it's a great finish or not. All right, I'm out.